Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening. I have had some very lovely news today, which I'll be honest, is welcome when you do a podcast about death and grief. Griefcast has been nominated for not one, not one, but two British Podcast Awards. Yay! Woo! Uh, the whole team, that's me and Kate who edits the show, that, that's the team, um, are so excited and so grateful. Genuinely thank you to each and every one of you um it's because you listen every week and rate and review and subscribe obviously that i can carry on making this show so thank you um also if you'd like to get involved and are feeling brave enough after brexit to risk another vote in something you can nominate griefcast in the listeners choice award if you just head to the british podcast award website you can find out how to do that this week i'm talking to stand-up comedian bobby mayer Bobby has appeared on 8 Out of 10 Cats, Russell Howard's Good News, and he has had his own show with his wife Harriet Kelmsley on Viceland called Bobby and Harriet Get Married. He came in to talk to me mainly about the death of his biological mother, but we ended up covering quite a few others as well. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with stand-up and writer Bobby Mayer. Hello. Hi, Bobby. Hi. Um, Bobby, people might know you from your Harriet and Bobby Get Married. They might. They might. When did you film that? We filmed it uh, in the lead up to our wedding last May. It was last year, yeah. And yeah. they literally followed you as you were getting married in well, real life. Well, the thing is, it was a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> but we just, so we just played exaggerated, more pathetic versions of ourselves. Right. And then um, we happened to be planning our wedding, so we just put, that was the plot oh, of wow. that season. Oh, great. So it wasn't kind of like you didn't want it to be like a true fly on the wall. No, not at all. I mean, it wasn't. If you watch like by epi- episode... Even episode one is clearly, yeah. it's a sitcom, but by episode four, it's very cartoonish. Okay. Yeah. Did it affect the wedding in any way? I just mean, it made it horribly stressful. Like, we were working. <laughs> so, planning a wedding, it's, planning a wedding is like an endless task anyways. Not that we did most of it. Her parents, like, did most yeah. of it, and they were amazing, and worked harder at planning our wedding than I have at anything ever. <laughs> but then, on top of that, we were working 60-hour weeks. Wow. And then trying to plan a wedding for six weeks. It really contributed to the mental breakdown I had later in the year. <laughs> It really, really was the final yeah. hammer. It, the... Well, it sounds like if someone was like, do you, I'd like to have a mental breakdown, you'd be like, oh, okay, you know what you should do? 
Like if you wanted to, it'd be like, you should yeah. film a show about your wedding and also get married. Yeah. So were they there on the day you got married? They were there on the day. We had to film scenes at our wedding. Oh, you're joking. Oh I mean, God. if you're going to whore yourself out, you might as well just do it. <gasps> yeah, do it properly. We filmed our real wedding. Wow. But then you've got, that's free video of your wedding, right? It is a free, we, got a, we have an amazing edit, editing yeah. wedding video, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really nice. So Bobby, who are we remembering today? Okay, uh, ugh. Ugh. sorry, <laughs> uh, <as> I find, <laughs> even remembering, I guess the easiest thing for me to talk about um, is, well, right, the reason, right before we filmed that show, I, I my biological mother died. Right, okay. Right before I, well, before I, I had found her but not met her. Oh, wow. So you're adopted? I'm adopted. And did you know that from childhood? I or? knew that from, I don't know, age five maybe. Okay. I remember my adopted mom telling me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just got to this age where I was like, okay, I think it's time. And I just, I missed having a mom because my adopted mom died when I was 20. Oh, wow. So, whoa, there's a lot of, there's a lot. There's of, like, a lot. I could go on and, like, in terms of, I know you, you, you I, your purview for the podcast, pick one death. <laughs> I have so many deaths. No, you so can. So it's really hard to pick. All, you can talk I, about as many as you like. I, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm just bragging if I keep going, you know? You don't want to be the guy just bragging about all the deaths. No, on it's quite common. I think yeah. if you've had one, maybe the fates go, well, you can handle it. Have some more. <laughs> so your adopted mum died when you were 20. Yes. But she was, in all sense of the word, she was your mum. She right? was my mum. Yeah. I say adopted only to differentiate yeah. in the story, but my mom died when I was 20. Yeah. This lady was my mother who I'd never met and who I was just interested in meeting. Yeah. Did your um, adopted mum know anything about your biological mum? Had she ever told no. you anything? Uh, well, she hadn't really told me much. Um, so I, I used to have this joke where I say, I'm adopted. I've never met my mom. I don't know what she does for a living. That makes it hard to enjoy a lap dance. <laughs> so that was the big, that was my big joke. You know, I'd have like a bunch of terrible jokes and then I'd say that joke, people would clap and then I'd go back to my next terrible joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the first good joke I wrote. And, um, I was like, well, how do I think of that joke? And then I, I rem- I got my adoption papers after my adopted mom died and they had information since my biological mother was in foster care. Wow. I got this like mini biography of her, wow. which had like it talked about how she was her grades in school, oh and the God. fact that she was a stripper. But it tried to make it like like I don't whatever she's a stripper, great. Uh, but it tried to turn a it tried to like twist it into a positive. So it said Bobby's mother was a dancer in nightclubs, which led her to visiting a number of communities. <laughs> so I go, wow, thank you. Whoever was writing it was really trying to cushion the... But it's like, you just don't have to mention that, really. Yeah, like, it's okay. I don't know a, why you'd mention that. a number of communities. Yeah, exactly. She goes to travel, different. which is nice for her, I guess. <laughs> so I got that when I was like 22. So you're 22, and you, but you didn't feel sort of... You didn't think, I want to get in contact yet or anything. You just thought... I guess it was you were still dealing with the death of your I mom. Think, I think my mother did. The thing is, I had like a year and a half when I was eighteen, where um, and I, I laugh when I say this all day because there's nothing else to do. like. You just have to laugh because yeah, life do. is bizarre. But uh, where four of my best friends died. Oh my god! My uncle died. My aunt died. My other uncle died. My grandma died, and my mom died, all in eighteen months. God. And then my brain just, and then I, and then I started doing comedy. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, okay, I'll do comedy. Yeah, because what else can you do with that much? I don't know. You shit, just, like, I just kind of packed it away and didn't deal with it for quite a few years. What happened and, like, to your friends? A car. Well, I live in a small town. People just die in car accidents a lot. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only. I know exactly. Just I just like, say it. What? It's horribly sad, and they're like, my but it just yeah. Oh my god. So how did you feel? Like, so was your mum the last of that round? No, she was, uh, I had an uncle who died right after her. But yes, pretty much, And then what, like, what was the gap between that and then getting into comedy? So you weren't into comedy before? No, I had started comedy right before one of my friends died. I started comedy. Then he died a month later, and then my mom died like eight months later. Jeez. And did it kind of make you go, like you said, did it kind of drive you further into comedy? Because you were like, I don't want to think about this. So I'm I guess it was, just, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't at it. I didn't like have a conscious thought. I don't want to think about this. I just had no capacity to deal with it. So I just threw myself into work. Yeah. Of course. How can you yeah. process any of those things? Especially when you're 20 and you've had like, yeah. my parents weren't like great parents, you know, like they were okay. They, they did, they, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. But they, yeah. it's not like they emotionally equipped me for the world at all, anyways. <laughs> let alone to deal with that. So then I was just, yeah. And is your dad still around? Yeah, he's still around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, 
Oh my God. So you already had this huge period of grief. Yeah. So what happens when you think, okay, I'm going to find my birth mother? Well, it's very scary because people put someone up for adoption for a reason, you know? You read all these stories like, oh, I wanted to find out my story. It turns out my story was my parents were siblings and there was a lot of shame around my birth, surprisingly. (laughs) And you're like, oh, adoption is a very logical choice in this case and you really should have just let sleeping dogs lie. Like, you really shouldn't have went and dug around as to why your, that incestuous relationship didn't work out. But uh, but you never know, right? You, well, you don't know, yeah. but you know it's not great. Yeah, there's never like a happy story. It's I not guess. like, well, we really wanted a baby. We had it, but then we thought, this baby's so great, we should share it with someone else. And we just gave it to a stranger. Peace out, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's very true. So you, so you avoided digging for a while. I avoided digging until... But then I was at a point where I was about to get uh, married. And... Um, we, you know, we're not thinking of having children or way, but the idea of, ha- you know, you can accidentally yeah, have a kid yeah. or what. And I, I just felt like, OK, th- it's time to do this. I don't want this. I don't want to carry this around forever. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just get it done, see what's out there. And uh, and then I found my biological mother. So was it easy to find her? Or? Easy. I sent it to an I had made a video a few years before and like a half-hearted attempt and nothing came of it. But then it was easy because I mailed into an adoption registry, got my original birth certificate, went online, found my mom on Facebook. What? Okay, well. <laughs> it was very easy. So, first of all, we should talk, where are you from? Like, as in what So, country? I'm from Canada. Canada, right. Okay, so, and you were living in England at the I time. I live in London. I've lived in London for seven years. I'm from a small, very small town in Canada called Seaforth, which is a half hour from Stratford, which is where Justin Bieber's from, which is also where my biological family from. And I mentioned Justin Bieber because he is my, actually my adopted uh, third cousin, which is a bizarre fact <laughs> that I get asked about in every interview, so I might as well just bring it up. And I mean, it was top of my list. I know. Um, How are you going to feel when he goes? Like, that's... Oh, happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> I Whatever. He's a troubled child. Um, so you're in London and you decide to do it, okay, through an agency. So you just type her name into Facebook. I type her name into Facebook. What was your first thought, like... Did you try Google first or like, t- did you just think, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to see if she's on Facebook? I, d- I just, Facebook's the way to find people. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. So what, like, what comes up? What do you see? I just, there's only, she's the only one with her name. Wow. And then I go and. Did uh, you message her? No. Wow. I just looked at this profile. I felt really happy and excited, like, like a really nice feeling and then also very angry. Wow. I was happy for like three days and then got very, very angry and didn't message her. And what was the anger just like? Because she's just there existing and... Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's not like a logic behind it. It was more, <laughs> I think it just, I have, uh, I think I have borderline personality disorder and it just tipped, I didn't know that at the time, it just tipped off my yeah. mental illness and then it just, I just went slowly went insane. <laughs> and then she died while I was going insane. And then I continued plummeting, and then we filmed the TV show, got married, and then uh, I went crazy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was really, a, it was a really crazy year. Yeah. So when the best so and the when, worst. When did you message her then? I didn't message so you her. Ne- didn't message her at all. No. Okay. So you. So I as- sit and look. I sat and looked at her profile for like two months, and then she died. And how did you find out she died? Because and this is the <laughs> because. When she, my siblings did not know I existed, which is very common in the 80s, if yeah. you had to put a kid up for adoption, they said, okay, that didn't happen. You're going to move on now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just what they thought would work. And I, it's probably not the best approach, but I don't know if there is one. And then my siblings were, uh, one of my siblings was cleaning out her house and found uh, my adoption papers and then found out they had a sibling they didn't know about, which must be insane because, like, my mother died, but this is their mom. Yeah, yeah. Their mom, you know. And then they go through it and find me. And then they went online. I think they found the video I had made. Oh, wow. And then got in touch with me a couple of days later. And On Facebook? No. No. <laughs> yes, email, I think. Oh. And then uh, that was it. So how many siblings do you have? I have two siblings, two half-siblings. And so then they write to you and say, hi, but also I mean, yeah, um, I was our mum has just started. Bittersweet meeting. Yeah. And what did she die of? What happened? I think she never stopped partying, really. That was the impression I get. Right, the party okay. never stopped. <laughs> okay. She's in her mid-50s, and I think her... I My understanding is kind of... That was about... Her heart just stopped, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's hazy. And did you? I mean, I, yeah, it's just. I think that. I think that's it. Really, it was just yeah. kind of like hard living. And wow. And so she'd kept the two other kids. Not, not really kept. Not put up for adoption formally, but she. I don't think she really raised them. Right, like mother okay. wasn't her top skill. <laughs> I would say, like in terms of her skills, mother wasn't. Do you have other relatives you found since then? Yeah, but I don't really like. I've I've stayed in touch with the siblings, but in terms of staying in touch with all the others, it. It just seemed like a lot of effort. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's a whole relative. new family, yeah, right? Yeah, I think next time I go back, maybe I'll meet some more and see what that's like. But I mean, in terms of like emailing, I'm like, how many people do I have to email every week? Like, I already, I already have to try to stay in touch with my family. My like, my, just to clarify, my like the, my family that raised me, and that's an effort when you live thousands of miles away. Yeah. Not all these new people. I'm like, who I don't know, who I didn't grow up with. Yeah. And you're like some aunt. I'm like, not that, you know, it's nice. And I'll make an effort when I'm back home. But like, hey, how are you? How was work? I don't care. <laughs> did they, did a lot of them get in touch with you? Was it like? They did. Yeah. It's very sweet of them. But. Uh, and did anyone know? Did they know about you? Yes. So my aunts, my aunts knew. I don't know about my uncle. My aunts knew, but didn't tell my siblings, which is a point of contention amongst yeah. them. But yeah, that's their own thing. Well, so when you get the message that she's died, like, I mean, it's a stupid question, but like, how do you start processing that? Did you just feel... I was just really sad. I just cried. And it was, I I think I just, I was supposed to go on stage at Top Secret Comedy Club, a wonderful club in London. (laughs) And uh, I just started crying and went home. So you were at a gig? Yeah, I was at a gig. Bobby, whoa, 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 that's huge. So you're at a gig and your phone just tells you... Yeah, my sister... Uh, yeah, well, I got an email saying, hey, it's your cousin, I need you to call me. And I was like, oh, that's... What's that? That's a weird first... And then I went on Facebook and I noticed my... mother hadn't posted on Facebook. She always played this card game. Oh, yeah. Mahong Trails, I think it's called or something. And she hadn't played it in like three days. And I was like... Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> and I just sat there for like 10 minutes being like, oh, I think she died. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I no. really think she died. Uh, not to lie, we're blowing the laughing because it's like, oh, well, I mean, it was just tragic. And uh, and then I went outside and my sister, they'd gotten in touch with my lovely, and I say adopted only because she's my sister, my, my sister. And uh, they called her. And then she told me what had happened. So your adopted sister told you? Yeah, my my sister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to yeah, keep. I know it. it's it's hard. I know to it's clarify, really confusing. Yeah. Let's just call her your sister, and they I can know. be they can be biological. Then yeah, yeah. It. yeah. So your sister. Some people use the term family of origin. Oh, like, <laughs> eat a gun. My family of origin. I'm not in touch with them. I have my new family. My tree people. Okay. <laughs> Too much. Family of origin is. It doesn't make sense to me. in my head. That's confusing. I know. Well, like, family of origin as opposed to the family I've decided to have, I guess. Yeah. So your sister rang you. Yeah. Fuck. So you're just like at this club in London and you get this. It oh. was. Ugh, yeah, it was horrible. I was so sad. I think I just was excited about the idea. Yeah. It was less like part of it was the genuine. This is the woman who birthed me. And. I would like to meet her, and I would like to find out this missing piece of myself. Yeah. And part of it was all the grief left over my adopted, my, yeah. my mom dying that I had not processed at all, that it just sat there for like 10 years. And I was hoping, maybe I don't have to deal with that grief. <laughs> maybe I just get a new mom <laughs> and subvert it. If, like, it all will go away. Like it was really a nice opportunity to get a new mom and not have to worry about yeah. the, the pain I never processed. But then I did not get to do that because the new mom died also. <laughs> and I was just that left sucks. With, that really sucks. It really sucked. It was horrible, yeah. So you go, you're at this club and you just go home. So then do you start filming the wedding? Well, that was, no, that was in mid-February. And we, and then I had to go home to Canada. I was weirdly going home anyways. Yeah. So I went home, met my two half-siblings, hung out with my family. Like, when I say family, my family for, like, a week. And then uh, did a couple shows that I had to do and came back. And then we got the news about our show, and then we started filming our show. Fuck. So it was, like, the best, in terms of, you know, you work hard in comedy. yeah. To eventually get this chance. So me and my wife get our own show, our own improvised sitcom, which is like the coolest 
yeah. medium to be like that. It's just really cool. You get to yeah, it's amazing. And like no network notes. We're having the best time of our life. Like six weeks of just literally making whatever we want. Wow. And then that is the show. While also me just slowly getting angrier and angrier and hitting a tipping point of like not being able to function in life. Well, yeah, it's hard as well with something like that because grief, as we always talk about, like has to come out. And when you are working professionally on a show, everything has to just fuck off for a bit. Like Also, the, the work, I'm playing a version of myself. Yeah. So they're like, okay, you need to get really angry in this scene. So I'm just channeling this oh very God. raw emotion to give these performances. And then they're like, cut. And I'm like, oh, I still feel that feeling. Like it was really, and I'm not a trained actor at all. Yeah. Like I'm, uh, so yes, I'm like trying to method act with very little, <laughs> a bit like training. <laughs> It's going well. I like what came out of it, but I don't know how to turn it on and off. Nobody showed me how to do that. I didn't go to drama school. I know how to turn it on and then do the performance and then turning it off. I'm like, well, okay, now I'm in that feeling for a couple of days. So you're, if you don't, your wife is a stand-up as well. Yeah. Harriet Kelvin, amazing stand-up. Yeah, and Harriet's it, a good comedian and a good was, wife. Was, Very good wife. Good I wife. want to say that clearly. My wife was like, my, Harriet really got me through this. Yeah, like what she... What's she saying to you at this point in time? Is she kind of saying the show is making, is this a good idea? Is she trying to like help or is she just so focused on the show? Because it's, you know, like you said, it's a huge I mean, I was just becoming a liability in the relationship. Wow. Like I was just, I just wasn't emotionally available and I was just like annoyed with everyone. And is that how you, so you feel like it just manifested into pure anger? Yes, rage. Yeah. <laughs> just rage. Were you able to recognize that? Were you able to go, this? I'm not dealing with this very well? Or were you just like, no, I'm just angry? and I. Uh, yeah, I definitely could recognize it, but I also didn't know how to fix it. Yeah. So you didn't have counseling. You obviously never had counseling with your... Tons, tons of therapy. Oh, you tons with the, your mum when you were 20? Did you have, like, grief counseling? Uh, no, just thera- therapy, therapy, therapy. Okay. But tons of it, but it just never quite uh, touched the surface. <laughs> were you in therapy at the time when this starts? Yes! Is- oh, totally! <laughs> It's just some things. It's like you can't. You yeah, can be in a yeah. boat, but if a tsunami hits you, you still die in the boat. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I was. I had done what I could, but it didn't really make any difference. So then you said this. Like you were joking about like this breakdown. So what? Like after the show finishes, you're married, and then suddenly uh, the, life comes. I just got angry, and I was just yeah. angry at everyone. And then I started to get angry at strangers, yeah. which leads to yelling at people in shops, which leads to the police coming and being like, uh, you know, is it. Like, I was just yelling at people in shops and just shops. close friends. Just shops. You know, not always just shops. Sometimes on trains. Yeah, I say trains are normally more... I once put my... I remember this is before... But the the, the, the pieces were there for it to happen anyways. But the day after we got married, me so we, we had our big wedding, which was for the show, and our friends and family. But me and Harry just got married alone at Chelsea Town Hall. Oh, nice. It was very sweet. Uh, <laughs> and then the next day, I went to a store to get change, and I... Gave a lady five pounds, and I said, uh, here's five, I need five, can I get five pound coins? And she said, no. And I said, why not? I think you have it, can I just, she said, no. I said, please, I just need the five pounds. She said, no, and then I said, give me the money! And then I just started screaming, and then the police came. <laughs> Sorry. I know, it's funny, you know, it's a funny story. And the, but the thing is, I was right, but then I was very wrong by yelling at the woman. <laughs> Whoever, if you're listening, lady, I yelled at, I'm very sorry, I'd like to buy you flowers or whatever I could do to make it okay. And then... Um, I'm laughing as well because I... No, it's a funny... I but mean, also, I was really angry after my dad died. Like, and my family weren't. So my brother and my mum did not... It didn't manifest his anger. It was complete. But I was like a ball of rage. (laughs) I'm laughing because like there's so many times I wanted to do that. And I think my, I don't know, my Englishness or something. And I was 15. I was too scared. But I would get so like, like it's like fire, isn't it? It's like you just see fire. The heat in your chest. You feel the heat in your chest. And your your handshake. Yeah. And you just think, I mean, I could crush a brick. Like I can. And you, it is a powerful feeling. And I think that's what I liked about it because grief is so, you feel so out of control and so shit. And then the anger feels like, oh, this is I, this is something I can do. I can be angry. Whereas the crying just felt to me like, well, what does that do? It didn't feel like an option. Well, then me. I feel vulnerable. I hate that yeah. feeling. Ugh, when you're sad, sadness is awful because you just feel <laughs> open and vulnerable. Like people could hurt you and you feel weak. I mean, it's all not real. You should be able to be sad, obviously. And if you if you feel sadness, you should be able to express it and cry in a river or whatever you do. But I just, 
my, I can feel sad for a while, and then I'm, I'm very, I'm working on it, but very quickly it'll just turn to anger. Yeah, yeah that's but, my go-to emotion because I'm very uncomfortable with all the rest. Well, I mean, I've only been in therapy for about a year. Oh yeah. And that's what I didn't know. She just, I very recently learned this about myself that I don't like being vulnerable. Because I was like, no, I just, I'm just an angry person. I'm just go to anger. And then my, my therapist was like, it's because you're vulnerable. And that really, that really shook me. Because I was like, oh, that's what I'm avoiding. I didn't know that's what I was avoiding. I mean, even this podcast, I, the reason I'm laughing and like, yeah. I don't want to be vulnerable. It's so uncomfortable. It's and <laughs> Well, that's, but don't you think, I think that's quite a comedian thing. Of course. Of like, there's pain, and I don't want to be vulnerable. And and when someone dies and it's out of control, it hurts so much. And I think, that's the thing again, if you're angry, actually, you come across as very strong, but actually you're actually more... I know, it's very, it's actually, not at all. You're actually so afraid of getting hurt again. Terrified. Because well, it people hurts are terrified. so much to be hurt. Like, when you're when you're angry, your, your, your shoulders go up, yeah. you know? I heard this. I think it's a it's a Pete Holmes joke. He's an American stand-up who's very funny, and he, but he talks about your shoulders going up when you're angry, and that's because you're afraid predators are going to attack your neck. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. Put water over myself right. at the same but time. But he's afraid predators. So you're afraid. That's why yeah. your shoulders go up because you, you're protecting your neck from yeah. predators. It's just your fight or flight response, you know. And I was oh, in I fight can't... for six months, <laughs> <laughs> ready to fight, just ready to fight. Oh my god! But there was no danger in front of me. <laughs> But then that's the, the other thing I read about grief and anger is that the danger's passed. So it's like your body, the danger is like someone took someone you love. Mm. But your body is like, but I'm ready to, I'm here ready to fight, but it's gone. The moment yeah, there it's is. gone. <laughs> There's so no you're fight just left. like left with this use. It's like you said, it's so useless because you're, you're ready to fight and be angry, but there's nothing to physically do with yeah. that. So yeah, it's, it's really hard. How did you, so how did you deal with it? How did you get through this? Period of grief. What happened? What was the... I got a really good therapist. So you had a new one from... Yes, my old one was... Nathan was a nice man, <laughs> but he was... I, he just... It didn't work for me. Yeah. I always said, you have to shop around. I just learned how... I got I got this therapy called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, oh. which if you ever... If you have a, a borderline personality disorder, which is just inability to regulate your emotions... Right. It's hard to explain other than I just Google it. If you if you're if you're someone who constantly your friends don't pick up because you cry a lot or yell a lot, you're probably <laughs> just go look into borderline. Yeah, it's a very underdiagnosed disease. But uh, so I fig I fi- I figured out that's what was wrong, which I'd been diagnosed with when I was like 20. Wow. But then all these therapists said you don't have that because it's like they didn't have a treat. They didn't think it's treatable, but oh. it totally is. Uh, so I went to DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, and within a few months I was back to. Relative normal, and now I'm better than ever. <laughs> it's great. That's amazing. So, but yeah. what, like, so in that six months of anger and breakdown, did you sort of maybe longer, November mm. to July? I was horrible to be married to my poor wife. I, I stayed with friends because I was just too unpleasant. Wow. And um, horrible to be friends with. Were I you, just wasn't. Were you talking to your um, your new siblings at that point? Did you talk to them about their grief or anything? Like no, that? I mean you don't know them, right? Yeah, like I don't yeah. know them. You can't really. I'm missing the idea of someone. They're missing someone. Yeah. Who they knew is it's an impossible bonding. Did point. you talk to your family? No, I'm mean, because we're not that close. So you, did you? Was it kind of like you didn't have anyone? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did. The thing is, that's you did, in my mind. You did, I did. Yeah. I had lots of people who would have happily, my family would have happily talked yeah. to me about it without judgment or, and they would have happily helped if I let them in. Yeah. And I'm sure my biological family would have happily helped if I'd let them in. Yeah. But again, I did not have the capacity to be vulnerable. Yeah. So I just shut down completely and was just, just, you know, should have been sectioned. <laughs> What were you? What were you doing? Like I, I'm just sorry. yelling at strangers, just, just yelling at everybody. And you would stay with friends, and friends were like, "Please don't yell today." Or were they just? Kind of I like, mean, I think I was better when I was with friends, so I just stayed. You had to behave slightly. Yeah, yeah. I just. Um, and then when did the new therapist happen? Then in that process? end of July, we just we were in couples therapy, and uh, uh, the couples therapist started insulting me, <laughs> or I perceived it that way. <laughs> And then I got very upset. Did you I, yell? I, I may have yelled at the couple's therapist for an extended <laughs> period of time before refusing to leave his office and then wow. having a tantrum on his flight of stairs. And I, I kicked a railing and hit him in the face, and I thought I killed him. Oh, my God, Bobby. Wow. I thought I blinded him, 
but he was okay, just bleeding a bit. <laughs> and that's so I blinded. So I anyways, wish the cameras had seen because this is like no, this was not on camera. This is, uh, but anyways, so anyways, I kicked our couples counselor in the face. He recognized I had borderline. Told me what kind Finally. of therapy to get. A month later, I was fine. <laughs> So he, but had he said anything about borderline before? No, he just kept poking me and poking me to see what happened. And then he got to see what happened and thought, he told me I was not emotionally stable enough for this kind of therapy, <laughs> which was reasonable. I'm sorry. I just, it's like, a, it's like a scene from a film. It was insane. So then you get the new therapist and... Did they talk about your mum's death when you were 20? Did they? No, they you don't talk about anything traumatic until oh, it's you almost calm like C- down. Right, so it's almost CBT style in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's CBT, it's kind of like, it's hard. I'm not going to, whatever I'm describing dialectical behavioral therapy as, I'm not nailing it because it's very useful. It's great. It's skills based. They teach right. you skills to deal with your feelings. Oh, okay, yeah. Which yeah. most people figure out from their parents. Yeah. I didn't quite get that. Yeah. So um, it's a bunch of skills. You don't really talk about trauma stuff until you've calmed down. Yeah. Which is similar to CBT, which I, I think I had first of all, which I think is so great. And it's just coping mechanisms. Yeah. So it's just like, how can you cope? Yeah, and the NHLS just, loves CBT. They give you like six it. sessions and yeah. like, you're fixed. People are like, what do you mean? <laughs> I just started talking. You're fixed. You got six sessions. I mean, how much more do you need? Bye. <laughs> That's very true. I did get six sessions. But I did appreciate <laughs> I I then went back to them. And then said, I need more. And they put me on a mindfulness course. Wow, yeah. Mindfulness yeah. is great. Love yeah. mindfulness. But I think all these things, I think if you can, go to your GP and just get what you can. That's what I sort of say to everyone. But I found CBT, I guess it's like a good um, it's like a good gateway, like you said. Like, if you are a bit... Because I wasn't quite ready to talk about my dad. But I was very happy for someone to be like, hey, when you feel anxious, write down the things that make you feel anxious. Yeah. Or what, what advice would you give a best friend? And that, to me, just seemed very practical. And like, oh, okay, I can... I can do that. Well, you know, I don't. I wasn't. I mean, I'm starting to talk about it now. Obviously, I'm here talking about it. So I'm yeah. gonna, but I wasn't able to really talk about it until my life was in a place that I wanted it to be in. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. that's very important. You can't just be living in a gutter and be like, oh yeah, I'm just worried about my trauma. It's like let's get you out of that gutter first. You know, yeah, that's a really you want your life to be in a place. Point. You know, I'm I'm uh, me and Harriet are getting along better than ever. Life's great. You're touring your show. To, I'm doing a tour right now where I talk about uh, this sad stuff and then also do my the best of my act. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this stuff is in the show? It's in the show. It's probably like a 10-minute chunk of the show, yeah. But it's like a, a solid, like, a nice ending to it. Yeah, you made it funny. <laughs> I did make it funny, yeah. That's what I'm good at, taking pain and just making it seem like not pain. And how did you feel? Was it like a first time talking on talking about it on stage? Did you feel vulnerable? Or did you feel like no, I packaged this up so safe that? So I had these shows booked in the Netherlands when my biological mother died, and they were like, they were, it was just good money, and I didn't want to turn it down. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, they were relying on me to go, so they went. But then that meant I was doing shows the day of my biological mother's funeral, oh, and I was literally on stage when I just knew they were like putting her into the ground. Oh my god. And uh, that was horrible. Those were bad shows. I really pity the audiences that came to those shows. <laughs> Did you just... say anything? Did you just be like, this is a hard time I think time at the end of the show I, I told them what was going on because I was performing so badly. <laughs> yeah, how could you not? Like, how could you be like... I don't know, but I just... I, I, felt, I felt like I had to do it. And I just... Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> I think also with, like, stand-up and gigs, there's that thing of, like... That there's like a safety in, in going to the gig because you're like, yeah, that's what I do. That uh, makes sense. Well, my like, I think it's hard for some people. Are like, how? Why did you go? And you're like, of course. Well, I had it in I my do? head. I remember I, uh, when my when my s- sister's husband, a lovely man, he uh, he committed suicide a few years ago, and uh, the the day he died, I, had a sh- I was on my way to a show and I did a show, and it went really well. So I thought. <laughs> Oh, I'm good when people die. I'll be fine. But this one, I think, I think I used it up that day. I know. And then there is this a just tipped me over. Of, degree of removing. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you were very close. Like, you knew him. But like, I think there's like your mum, your biological mum. I, I, you know. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I. 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 It wasn't about remove. It was just. I think I was just done pretending. I think yeah. my. I think my all the death I mentioned before. It's like it's not like my biological mother dying affected me more than those deaths yeah it yeah. was just it was just the tipping point for i can no longer pretend yeah. <laughs> that i this that all this loss hasn't affected me which of course like 
any human, I think, would be yelling at someone in a shop if they... Like, that's a lot of shit you went through. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Like, it's totally... And I pity anyone who met me in my mid-twenties. I was just, like, an angry little boy. Yeah, (laughs) of course. And so do you feel like now, like you said, you had all this death... At this tipping point, do you feel like you have processed like your your mum's death? I have no idea. I probably, maybe some of it. But what does that mean? You know, what does it mean? mean? Like whenever people are grieving, I'm still confused as to what that means. Yeah, I think it just means going through it. Yeah, like I think that's just like living your life, trying to accept they're dead. I think that's all it can be. Is that's all that grieving ever will. And I think if if sometimes you're not grieving, like you said, you put it on hold, which I definitely did because I was 15. So I was like, well, what what can I do with this? This is, I don't understand. It, it makes no sense to me. I suppose you... Yeah, Have you had any other deaths since where you got to practice it? Because I think the next <laughs> yeah. death I'll do really well. Yeah. I Well, it's, I think it depends on the death, annoyingly, because my husband's dad died. But then that brought home, that was really like too close because it was like a dad and he had cancer as well and I felt very like my voice going running I felt very like this is like this is reminding me and then his mum died and it was just so sad it was just so like I just felt so sad but I haven't oh god I haven't have I had one since I did the show oh god oh maybe I'm that means I'm due one (laughs) do you have that feeling if you've had loads of death I have that feeling all the time every day I wake up Every day, yeah. I'll be if I'm alone walking somewhere. I think, who is it today? I know. Every day, and the fear, the fear in yeah. your chest is just like a panic. I'll is be that... walking home and think, oh, what if someone's murdered Harriet and I have to find her body? <laughs> They're gonna think I did it, and I've gotten angry a lot. So I, it's gonna be really clear I did. So I better figure out what time I left the shop at so I have an alibi. <laughs> but also, it's gonna be really sad. She's dead. Yeah. I'm not gonna be able to do comedy anymore. <laughs> I've now lost my wife. No one will take me seriously as a comedian. I'll have to write a book, a tell-all book. That's the only way I'll be able to make a living. Just live off the kindness of a few famous friends. This is so pathetic. And then I get home and she's just like, hi. And I'm like, oh, oh hi. How are you? Good to see you. Well, that's what I have. Not quite as extreme, but that anxiety. I'll go through all that. I'll yeah. walk home. Like in 30 seconds, but I, have, I go through all that. I wonder if like my big thing is always illness because everyone I knew... All my, all of my deaths mostly were cancer. So I had this terrible. Me and my, my husband as well. Like as soon as literally like your finger hurts, I'm like, well, that is, it's cancer, it's cancer. I'm gonna die. They're gonna die. He's gonna die. Like, and we both like as soon as one of us goes, oh yeah, my, oh my shoulder's a bit sore. There's this pause, and one of us has to go, it's not cancer. Like because that's just my brain automatically, like you said, goes, my finger hurts. It's probably my bones. It's probably in my bones. I probably haven't realised that. Like. <coughs> ache in my ribs is actually this and actually I'm going to die and that's so sad because I have a baby and my baby will grow up with them. like yeah it's like this which again CBT is quite good at trying to go hey look what you're doing <laughs> hey look how fast that went yeah. like from I bet your you thoughts been... are just thoughts they're not yeah. reality yeah but um that's what they've made us that's what they tell us isn't it tell, I don't know if that's true <laughs> well that's the thing before before all my all the death of my life I was already someone who's quite troubled and uh, had these same yeah. These same wor- thoughts. So everything yeah. we're talking about, I had those these same negative fantasies when I was like 15. Yeah. And then all those people died and I thought, I'm psychic. Oh, it was God. like I did it with my mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> Very sad. But no, I think also the trouble is it's evidence. Do you have this? Like my therapist always says to me like, well, like, look up how many people don't die of cancer. I'm like, but I have evidence. Yeah, I know. Like I have the proof. And she's like, yeah, but you need to let like, go of that because that's not actually... Like, it's not actually proof. But I'm always arguing with her because I'm like, but if you can only go by your life experience, my dad was not very well. And then two months later, he was dead. So, of course, if someone goes to me, oh, I don't feel well, I'm like, you're going to die. Because that's... That's exactly how I act yeah, yeah, like, that's the... Ev- I feel like I have proof. But obviously, it's it's not proof. That's not what happens. And she she's always going, yeah, but how many people have said to you they're ill and then they haven't? They haven't died. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you don't remember those people. <laughs> exactly. Who remembers a conversation you had three years ago when someone said, I feel a bit sick, and then the next day they didn't. Exactly. So it's hard to remember all the evidence. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to collate that all. So you feel like you're in a good place now? Now, yes. Better yeah. place. Definitely. thing is, I'm happy I was put up for adoption. I love the person I became. I yeah. love my life. I love my family, who I wouldn't have known otherwise. So I'm really happy that I in a way, never knew my mother. Do you know what? It's a very yeah. hard thing to balance. Like, I'm yeah. happy about that. That's it's a, 
it gave me the life I have, which I like. Yeah. I would have never moved here. I would have never probably been a comedian. I would have never met my wife. Yeah. Well, that's what Robert Webb was talking about, wasn't he? He was saying, like, you get to this weird point of, like, you are happy where you are, and that is a consequence of what happened to you. So it's not like you wish, it's not like you wish those people did die. It's just, like, you have to be happy with where you're standing right now. So I've never been a person. I don't, I, I say, me and Harriet had this conversation yesterday. I don't understand people who think, like, I don't, I, I've never been able to have those thoughts where you think, if this hadn't happened, I'd be like this. Yeah. Because I just don't know what that would be. I don't. Yeah. I can only, I am who I am right now, and I'm happy that I'm that person. Well, that's good. So I'm here with you, you know? It's good. <laughs> but that's a good thing. Um, but I feel like, I feel like I haven't been vulnerable enough. There's got to be some, <laughs> I, I want to be more vulnerable. No, you've been plenty vulnerable. I was scared on the, I got an Uber here, and there was a, the Uber driver did not drive, I don't think has driven in London ever. So that was terrifying. But then uh, on the way, I thought, oh, I was scared of having to be vulnerable, you know, yeah. just that fear of like, oh, I could open up again. Is it because you're worried, uh, this is my thing, I'm worried that if I do open up, I won't be able to con- to stop. Exactly. I, yeah. I didn't know how to, con- I because I used to not know how to control it. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like I'll just start crying and I'll just be a pile on the floor and then everything I'm working so hard to keep up, you know, like this image of everything's fine. It's like I'm working really hard to do that. So if I open up and I cry, I don't know if I can then build it back up and be like, oh, sure, I'm fine now. Is that what it is with you? Like you're just afraid Yeah, I'm terrified yes. of being sad. Yeah. Because I, I get overwhelmed by it and don't know how to... I yeah. just think I am the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am sadness. This yeah. is my identity. It's hard when you feel when you feel things people who feel things too much yeah (laughs) if you do if you feel it so much i've definitely got better at being sad like it's taken a lot of therapy and talking but now i again like my therapist is amazing she's been really good of like just trying to note those moments when you're sad and then you're then you're okay like you are okay but i the fear of it is it's such an irrational fear, like you said, because of course you'll be fine. Of course you won't cry for the rest of your life. Like, of course, like eventually you will stop and you'll be like hungry. You know what I mean? Like you can't continually be in that state. I think an emotion on average lasts eight seconds. Yeah, yeah. But so it's that fear. I just get terrified. It's going to last forever. And I think it just, yeah. But it, yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't last forever. I also that's what helps me is I think you will be hungry and you will need to go to the loo, and then you can't you can't like weep on the toilet. Well, you can, but you can't consistently. No. Eventually, you'll stop and be like... I don't like, know anyone who's done that. Yeah, eventually, you'll be like, okay, well, now I'm, I'm going to the loo, and that's a different thought. Your brain will be like, well, now we need to piss. That's different. So I think it, it's okay to be sad. I'm always saying that, and I feel that around my daughter as well. Like, I I don't want her to feel... Oh, yeah, you don't want to be... Oh, you don't want to be one of those... You don't want your kid to grow up with a sad mom. <laughs> I grew up with a sad mom. It's horrible. Oh, no, really? Just I'm trying to, cr- to be more sad around <laughs> No, no. Wait, wait you don't want to be... As someone who grew up with a sad mother, you don't want to be someone who cries all the time. Oh, but you, no. But you also don't want to be someone who never cries. I want either to be, one is weird. Yeah, yeah. And either one creates a weird kid. Yeah. Because if you never cry, then they grow up, what's mommy's secret? Yeah. If you cry too much, you're like, I wish mommy had some secrets. <laughs> <laughs> mommy tells me everything. I wish she would hold back. Yeah, I just want it to be okay to be sad about stuff because I feel yeah. like, and this is like, no, like my mum's a great mum, but I think our way of dealing with it, especially as a family, was like, well, come on, like, if this just have, have a laugh. It'll be all right. You know, if you don't laugh, you cry. And it's I sometimes have to sort of remind us all of like, it's okay to cry. Like, it's okay yeah. to be sad about it because I think the more you remind yourself of that, the more you realise like, it's not going to stay. It's not going to be permanent. Mm. But the other thing my therapist said to me was like, you're not permanently happy. But that doesn't, you know, I don't have I wish feel- I was, though. Yeah. <laughs> I really try to hold on to those feelings. And when someone takes them away, I get very upset. <laughs> Stop taking away my happy feeling. But Even I- with, if Harry will say, uh, why haven't you done the dishes? I'm like, why haven't you? Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I really was feeling good. And now I have to do the yeah. dishes. I get very grumpy if someone pops the, I feel like they pop the bubble. Yeah, they take it away from me yeah. and they don't give it back. But then don't you think, I think that's like losing a parent young. You feel like something was taken away from you. Yes. So you feel like you slightly react like a child still of like, no, you ruined it. I mean, I yeah, my perpetual adolescence continues. Yeah. Wait, well, ask me a vulnerable question. <laughs> I feel like I'm being too How lighthearted. How do you feel about your own death? I'm terrified. I think about it every day. Seriously, I think about dying every day. Every day. I was laying in the bathtub the other day and I was really happy. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to die in 60 years, maybe at most. 
Well, that's a long time. Yeah, no, it's not. I'm already lived for 30, and that's already happened. And then that's 30 more, and then 30 more. And the last 30, I'm going to be very acutely aware of the fact that I'm dying. So really, I only have 30 more years until the the countdown begins till the last 30. <laughs> but it's can terrifying. You, can you reach an acceptance of like, yeah, but we all No. Are. No, you're not there no, I can. <laughs> who can reach an acceptance of dying? Buddhists. The Buddhists are cool about it. Yeah, well, they also are committing genocide in Myanmar, so don't, they don't know everything. <laughs> I, I'm sick of people talking about Buddhists like they're above all the other religions. When they're right now in Myanmar, they're just killing all these Muslims. Who, and we, we think the Muslims okay. are, you know, like... It's just like, come on, they don't know everything. It's they, just it's tr- no religion knows everything. Yeah, you know, perhaps we'll say that. I lo- I like this idea that we've just taken the best parts of Buddhism and like that's how we live. I think is I I'm all for taking the best parts of everything. Yeah. I'm like just take a bit of whatever do you want. You want like the you know Christmas, but you also want Hanukkah. No, yeah, but you it's also great. Want life after death for Buddhism. I I love the idea. Look, Christians nailed it with this whole "there's an afterlife" thing. Yeah. That is a great message. Oh, because before that, the Jews didn't have any afterlife really. Yeah, yeah. And then Christians came in and were like, "Listen, what you need is an ending. <laughs> this you, story needs an ending, guys. When you die, you're not really dead. Wow." I'll buy that. <laughs> you were like, I'll give you 10% of my earnings every year to, for eternal life. That's incredible. I would give. because, And then you think of all the negative tenets to Christianity, like homophobia or whatever. Yeah. If someone said, all you have to do is hate gay people, you get to live forever. <laughs> yeah, of course I'd do that. I mean, I... And this is, I've, I've thought I was gay for months at a time. In an anchor, but I, yeah, that's an easy trade-off. Eternal life. <laughs> eternal life. Would you... Um... How do you want to die? Do you have a, like, is there a way of thinking? I want to get a terminal illness. So the last year of my life, everyone just constantly tells me how great I am. (laughs) I I want, uh, I'm serious. Like, I'm totally, I want that. I want it not to be painful somehow, which it will be. I, I, some kind of wasting disease. That's I don't want to get super terminal. skinny. I know, but I just don't want to die. I want some time. Oh, you want the time. For everyone to really tell me I'm great. (laughs) Don't you? No, I think because my dad was the terminal, I kind of... Well, I don't know. My adopted mom, or my mom, I say adopted only to differentiate. My my mom, she, yeah, she had cancer. And it took... Well, she had it when I was five. Wow. I think around five in her lymph nodes. And then she got breast cancer when, she, when I was 20, which turned into brain cancer. Oh, God. But even seeing that, you think, terminal's for me. Yeah, I just want some. I mean, I'd want, I'd want peaceful. I'd want like a sleep. Why not choose that movie? No, that's ter- no. I don't want to just sneak up on me. Oh no, just like like you had a really great day. I'm you're gonna in, know it's coming. You're in your happy place, and then you just fall asleep. And said so no one takes the happiness from you. Hmm. Mm, it's worth thinking about. No, I don't want to take it from me. <laughs> ah, get away, death! Wait, ask me another vulnerable question. Let's. Um, I'll try to be vulnerable. Okay. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, okay. I was really, I was trying to be, I, I find it so hard to just be sad. Oh, you're a comedian. Especially like, if you try, not you, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not, you're not trying to make me do anything. I asked you to come on your <laughs> podcast and, and what you're trying to do to me, Carrie Ed. But, uh. Do you really want really, me, do you really want me to make? No, I just find it impossible to connect yeah. with sadness. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a long process. I think you're obviously in the process of connecting with your sadness yeah. like, and I feel like I've only just yeah it's like I'm in the big, I feel like I'm in the middle of it because I feel like I started it maybe it was actually a bit longer than a year of having therapy and being like bawling my eyes out and then come leaving a session and feeling like oh actually I'm actually I am okay and that just took such a long time to be like mm. oh I can open that door you know but you don't you don't have to open the door here you have opened the door here did I? yeah okay I think you unless is there something vulnerable you want to say? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't want to. The only I thing... just envy these people who can cry. <laughs> these criers. Yeah. Harriet's a crier. She'll just, you know, she'll worry the cat's sick and start crying. Yeah. And it's annoying. But also, I'm like, oh, I want that. I only I got that, that when feeling. I had a baby. And now I'm a crier. Didn't used to be. Over the baby. No, it just opens up a whole world of new emotions. I, same as you. I was someone, like, I used to laugh at Pasco because I'd call her, like, she'd cry at anything. <laughs> and I'd always laugh. I'd be like, why are you crying? And now I cry. I'm the, I'm the advert crier. 
Like, and I never was that before, but baby, it's like something, it's like a bit of your heart opens. And I know that sounds awful, but honestly, and then people tell you stuff and you're like, oh, the, the, the cat is not well. But I know I'm, yeah, that's how I want to be. I need to have a baby then. Oh, God. I got to go on these babies if they're going to make me be able to feel don't my let sadness. This be the, don't let this be the reason. Look, I'd be so sad if I find out in a couple of months Harriet's pregnant and I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> I, mean, I don't I'll know if you're going to be there. I'm really sorry. Harriet, I need to connect with my sadness. We're going to have a kid. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a byproduct. It's definitely not the reason that I had a baby. So you don't, in terms of the adoption, you feel like, do you feel sad that you didn't message her in those two months? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's horribly sad. Yeah. Just to never get to know what that feels like to just meet the woman who gave birth to you. It's really sad. And it's... um, That is actually one of the times where I'll play the, like, oh, what if game, you know? Yeah. You can imagine meeting her and... um, What you'd say, and it probably wouldn't have... You know, it probably wouldn't have worked out. It usually doesn't. Like it probably yeah. would it just would have been a couple awkward conversations and then mm. a memory. But it didn't happen. That was pretty vulnerable. I just said it in this voice. <laughs> <laughs> I tried though, I really tried. I just said it in the voice. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really tried though. It was really good. I know. I just can't like again something really painful. Well, I think, like, it's like people who, you know, if someone's into, like, BDSM. Yes. For them to come, something really fucked up has to happen. Yeah. For me to cry, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think if you package that sadness away so deeply, yeah, it's really hard to find it. Yeah. it's like, it's in the attic, you I'm know? I'm trying. You'll get there. Well, Bobby... Thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Thank you, Carrie. I, I, I just want to, again, Carrie is, you're like, I just want to be your friend. So I'm really happy we're here. I feel like we're, again, building the foundations of our friendship since yeah. the last time we saw each other. One day we can go into a room and just yell at, not at each other, yell at the wall, maybe. Yes, I think that'd be very nice. All right, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You can follow Bobby on Twitter at Bobby Mayer or head to his website to find out when his next gigs are. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast or email us thegriefcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can vote for us in the British Podcast Awards in the listeners' choice category as well. Music was provided by The Glue Ensemble and the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone. <laughs>